Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Luke Stuckmeyer back off the IL. Ryan Herrera back from press box. Cody Del Mendo, also a player to be named later in the Juan Soto trade coming up. Ooh. And our draft expert, yeah, Brian Smith, uh, in from Bleacher Nation at Cub Prospects on Twitter. We are going to do a mostly heavy draft podcast today. Um, Cubs are wrapping up day two of this wild, fast and furious major league draft, and they have gone heavy, heavy, heavy on the arms. I didn't yep. expect this, Brian. Do you think this has to do with let's what we think they're going to be eight out of nine or nine out of ten pitchers? Right. Does this have to do with Carter Hawkins being? a pitching guru a little bit, you know, like having a, a pitching background, or does this have to do with just taking best player available, or is it something in between there? Yeah, I think it's probably something in between. I think I think it's too much of a coincidence that there isn't some amount of strategy involved. I mean, you don't go eight to nine pitchers by total accident. I think if you were looking to balance it out, you easily could have done that at a certain point, and they definitely feel good about their pitching infrastructure, but I also think part of it probably there is a certain level of coincidence that it wasn't, you know, six pitchers and three hitters or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Carter Hawkins is supposed to be the pitching whisperer. He, he knows how to develop pitchers. That's really? part of why he's here, right? Yeah, and Craig Breslow has done an amazing job this year. I mean, I think, you know, if you look under the hood metrics they have to measure minor leaguers, I've seen that the Cubs have the number two average stuff in their minor leaguers this year and that's up from like 26th last year so they've made a huge jump in that department and I guess they are now putting their money where their mouth is and investing in the players to match the infrastructure yeah, um, and that that's like we kind of talked that this whole narrative about the Cubs can't develop pitching or something like that so they must have really good faith in like Craig Breslow and just what right. they're doing that they're going out and spending so far eight of their nine for first picks in the draft as you know it's, as pitchers I I have to say last night was like the first time I saw Cubs Twitter erupt in anger over oh the draft God. right like I've never seen Cubs Twitter get angry over guys that we won't see for like two or three years probably like like I, I was like a little I was surprised <laughs> I was also like oh I can get into this like you know we can we can, you know, yell them back and forth at each other about some guys that we all have never watched before if we really want to do that. But I don't know. I It's kind of like what we all just kind of been talking about here. You know, the pitching infrastructure was not great before, right. you know, the, la the last few years. And now the Cubs are really trying to fix that. I also don't blame people for being a little upset about not taking a position player, though, considering the guys that were there. But, again, as someone that, like – you know, I'm not. I, I don't. I I don't watch those guys every day like a lot of the, the the experts do. But to me, it's like we're at a point where I feel like we have to at least wait and see. You know, if I think back on the last maybe five, eight, ten Cubs drafts, I think the pick that got people the angriest on Twitter, like last night, was Nico Honer. Nico was oh, not oh, wow. somebody who was projected to be a top fifty pick. The Cubs took him in the first round you know, got him a little cheap, and that opened up the door to draft Brendan Davis a couple rounds later. And so I think, you know, there's a little bit of that in play with uh, the strategy they had with Cade Horton, which is going to allow them to sign a couple of those high school picks that we saw both last night in Jackson Ferris mm -hmm. and then today in Nas Mule uh, and the shortstop they took from California. Ferris was ranked as high as number 19 for yeah. prospects, and, you know, the Cubs get him at 47 overall. So, like you said, maybe they, they figure to themselves, you know, they, there's no guarantee he's going to be there at 47, but you could be looking at anybody in there and say to yourself, well, technically, we could get two top 20 picks if we slot down in that first pick and then leave it open to come up in the second one. So, I mean, the way it looks is that they got two top 20 prospects in the draft. Right. With, four, with you know, the 47th pick. That's yeah, not bad. I, I think what people don't realize is these conversations are happening about dollar amounts as the draft is going. So, you know, the Cubs, when they started to realize that they might go with an underslot player at seven, yeah. they were talking to high school pitchers and they were probably, I think they said they had Ferris at the top of their board. 
I'm sure they told him, hey, two and a half, three million dollars is what you have coming. Like, you should not accept a dollar less from anyone else. And so when other teams called him, you know, he set his number and that allowed him to drop. So there is a little bit of that game that gets played during the draft. Yeah, obviously it's easier to get a college guy to sign because what are their options, you know, other than the rare Jeff Samarge deal where you're trying to convince somebody not to play football or another sport, uh, Kyler Murray. Um, But it is interesting to see the way that all works. I think everybody else, most of us look at the draft. We don't know any of the kids. Unless you saw Horton pitch at the College World Series, the odds of you having seen one of these guys pitch live is almost zero, right? Like for the average fan, almost zero. You would have no idea who's really better, and you're just going by a ranking you see on a website, and if you don't see that guy or you don't know his famous dad, (laughs) you know, what are you going on? Like, I I can't personally – again, if people want to be angry about the draft, go ahead. I just personally can't be – I don't know anything about any of them other than what I've read on a website. And that's just being honest. I haven't seen any of these guys pitch. Right. Yeah, and that's when, like – I think people just take like mock drafts and, and rankings as gospel and stuff like that. When it's just like, it's so much more of an intricate process than, than that. Like you have no idea what's going on in the, in the, well, the, in the, the Rangers room. moved up and took Kumar Rocker. Yeah, that's what and, I was going to say. Like that was the biggest then, shock of the draft. Like he yeah. was in like the thirties of like prospect. And he's got injury and, history. And then he gets picked number three overall <laughs> he's got, by the Rangers. So yeah, it's like he's I, got a high ceiling, right? I think people just like take, like way too much stock in what like the experts are the experts for a reason, right. but just stuff happens when teams are, are are considering their options and talking to players and all this different stuff. So it's like, I I don't I don't get the Kate Horton got so like I, no one was happy about it for some reason. That's Cubs Twitter. No one's happy about anything. But I'm just like, dude, it's the it's the draft and there's are players that aren't going to see the big leagues for a couple of years at best. Like just. Relax, like, like yep. these guys. None of these guys are coming up to impact the team for a couple of years anyway. Like, it's not. It just, it just, it just didn't make any sense to me to see all There's that. There's anything that I thought of the moment that they took him was like, okay, at least he's a college pitcher, so it's not like it's gonna. It's not like he's a you know 18, 19 year old kid or even younger than that that's gonna take five years or something like right. that before we see him. Like, if they get him in the pitch lab like we like they call it, and and they do what they do and and do what we've seen from these other guys like we could see him in two three years I guess I, I mean I don't know the timeline but I'm just saying like that was the, the idea of me the fact that Jim Cowell said best college pitcher in the draft and two that he was a college pitcher so it's like <laughs> okay like perhaps he's on that timeline of when the Cubs theoretically think that they could be World Series ready who knows what his role on that future team could be so Brian he's uh Kate Horton could have gone to Oklahoma uh, turns 21, he's already had Tommy John surgery, yep. and the biggest knock you'll see on Twitter is people saying, well, his ERA is nearly five in mm-hmm. college. So tell us why you think the Cubs targeted this guy, and as they say, he was their best college pitcher on the board and why they went after him. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty amazing story that he was a guy that had an ERA of like seven, and during, I think, the month of May, he was playing with his slider, he had a teammate suggest a new slider grip, started messing with it in the mm-hmm. outfield, then took it to the bullpen. Within two weeks, he's pitching in, you know, Big 12 playoff, Big 12 championship games using that slider. Within three weeks of that, he's in the College World Series throwing more sliders than fastballs. And he's striking out, like, 20-something guys in two games, the Notre Dame and the Ole Miss one, right? Like, Yeah. I know, I know Kantrovitz said something along the lines of, like, if you would have asked him two months ago, was Kate Horton going to be – the you know the first round draft pick for the Cubs I mean that, that like the, that's how quickly things change like two months ago probably not but after seeing him you know kind of develop a slider like you said pitch very well in postseason play big lights all this kind of stuff and that's kind of why he was kind of shooting up the draft board I remember yep. seeing just like on Twitter like oh rumblings that Kate Horton could be sneaking to the top 10 and that kind of stuff not that anyone like predicted number seven but that he was like there was like the, the buzz was kind of starting to build around him more and more. Um, yeah, and that's the thing yeah. that's changed, I think, with with how players are evaluated these days using those Trackman and Rapsodo numbers that are under the hood. I think if you look at Cade Horton maybe 10, 15 years ago, you'd see that guy who came on late, but you'd have to weigh that against the performance you saw early in the season. You don't know if you're trusting if that slider is real. 
now there's real data that, okay, this is a new pitch. This is thrown differently than his pitches in the past. And you can evaluate the stuff metrically instead of just, you know, just using the scout's eye. Well, I think it's impressive, too, that he just learned it and then he was dominating with it. Yeah. And if you're the Cubs and you think you have this infrastructure of pitching that you can get the guys in the lab and you can teach them, you can teach them to be the next Keegan Thompson, learn a pitch quickly. If, if somebody's showing the ability at a young age to adapt and learn to do something point. that quickly, that's an impressive trait. You know, you're not just looking at ERA and wins and losses and stats that might not mean anything. This is a guy who was still returning from Tommy John surgery, learned a new pitch quickly, and then was dominating at the highest of that level that he was pitching at very soon after all of that happened. So maybe the Cubs are thinking, if he can learn that slider quickly, we can also adjust his changeup quickly, and he might be getting to the majors quickly. And also, again, this is not an exact science. The the Major League Draft is full of – First round, second round, third round, fourth round failures. Look look at DJ Hers, who's climbing up the Cubs prospect list. What is he, eighth rounder? Yeah. So so don't think that the guy the Cubs are selecting seventh or eighth or maybe Mark McGuire's son in this draft couldn't end up being better than all the other guys they just took. That's just the way the baseball draft seems to roll out every single year. Am I, am I wrong on that? No, I mean, the ba- baseball is just that sport, you know, maybe with hockey where we know less about the draft picks than, than we do in other sports. It's not always the best player available that gets drafted, so it can, it can be a little funky. And, yeah, I mean, I think the, the fourth-round pick, for example, is a guy who's going to get a lot of money, and I think if, if it was a best player available draft, probably would have been taken two rounds earlier. I will, I, I will say that the comparison, I assume it was Brad. Uh, from the Bleacher Nation Twitter account last night where he kind of used the NFL draft as a way to explain why yep. the Cubs did what they did with the first two picks as a way of, like, trading back. Yep. You know? And for someone like me and maybe even their average fan in terms of the MLB draft, like, it kind of made sense because to, to, to go up and take Horton but then still get the number 19 overall prospect at 47, which I – in one way you can look at it, how did the number 19 prospect fall all the way to 47? I don't know, but kind of like what you just said, it's not always the best player available. Yep. It's also like, again, like you, I, I, maybe there's just not enough information. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's because he was a high school pitcher. I, again, I, I just yeah. the comparison between using the NFL draft and how the Cubs in a way like traded back, mm-hmm. it got, it, to me it like made a little bit more sense. Yeah, I think that's a really good way that, yeah, it was Brett that laid it out, and I think that is what they did. They they traded back not just to get Jackson Ferris, but then they also had some money to do the things they did today. So it was, you know, it was trading back to get 15 and 20, but also then to kind of move up in the third and fourth rounds a little higher than they would have mm-hmm. otherwise been able to. Well, I think when you look at Jackson Ferris, again, that's the pitcher they took from IMG Academy, 18 years old, uh, 6'4", 195, I heard the comparison, and I love these comparisons because I know they're totally unfair. Right. But there isn't a fan out there that doesn't go, okay, who does he remind you of, you know? Right. So the, one, the first one I heard for Jackson Ferris was, he, re, he reminds me a little bit of Clayton Kershaw. He's a little funky. Okay, if you got Clayton Kershaw with the 47th overall pick, like, you'll stop complaining about the draft. Right. Who does Horton remind you of? Yeah, I mean, I wrote today in my, in my piece of Bleacher Nation that – I think the upside comparison that I see for him is Dylan Cease. Oh, Dylan is a. Ah, that's, what we were, that's what we were wondering yesterday when you tweeted that out. Yeah, very, okay. very similar height, uh, similar build, pretty similar direct delivery. And when Cease took off with the White Sox, it was when he started throwing his slider just as much as his fastball. He throws 40% fastballs, even though he can throw at 97, throws 40% sliders. They actually kind of break similar. So I, I do see that comparison. You know, do I think that Kate Horton will have ever have a half of baseball like Dylan Cease just had? You know, <laughs> probably not. But that's that's the fun and dreaming of it. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to watch just the different uh, types. First of all, a draft a team is always going to say those were our top two guys on the board. Those right. that's who we were targeting all along, and yep. we're thrilled we got. Nobody's ever going to come out and say, uh, "Well, we were hoping another guy was going to slide to us, so we ended up with so and so." First of all. 
there's a clear focus on pitching. The one position player that they took in those early drafts, Christopher Pasiola from California, a shortstop, a high school kid. Um, and I saw Niren yeah. on the chat. Can you show us the chat real quick? Well, Kevin, he was saying, um, would you trade? He's already, he's already to trade these guys. <laughs> would you trade Jackson, Farrell, and Pasiola for Tucker Toman? No, I would not. I think. What about Juan Soto? <laughs> yeah, they could have the team. Um, <laughs> by the way, we also have a- Cubs just made their 10th round pick. Okay. 293rd overall, Brody McCullough. McCullough, McCullough, something like that. A right-handed pitcher out of Wingate University. Nine out of ten out of pitchers. Uh, so you could tell what the Cubs were, were, were trying to do in this it's draft. It's the anti-13-14 oh. draft where they went strictly sluggers, right? Yes. It's like the total flip of what they did the first time around on the rebuild where they, were, they saw a change in baseball and they were like, we need hitters, we hit hitters. Obviously, the game has clearly changed, and now they're doing the opposite. I don't know if that's the only a reason lot, or if they think... A lot of teams are doing it. Like, I, I, well, yep, the White the Sox Angels were four out of five yeah. pitchers to start. Whenever I saw the Giants took a guy where I went to school, they, they had at that point they had taken all pitchers, and that was the six-round pick. So, I mean, I don't know where they're at now, but, I mean, basically the point is is that a lot of teams are going heavy on the pitchers. And, like, I get it, man. Like, to me, it's like the more I think about it, if you – the Dodgers do a lot of that, right, where they just – they just have like this assembly line of yep. young arms who just come up every year, one or two of them, and you're like, where did this guy come from? And like, so to me, again, it, it goes back to you know those first two picks and whatever. Like, if if the if the Cubs are trying to use that the Dodgers like bl- blueprint a little bit, like to me, it, that leaves me with some optimistic hope of. Hopefully you get them in the pitch lab and you can continue to do what you've done with some guys that we've already seen at the major league level and, you know, we'll see what happens. I, 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 don't, I won't bank on all of them being, being serviceable, but, like, you, you, obviously you hope those early ones do. I think the Cubs' strategy in 2013-2014 was that you get hitters into the system and because the success rate on hitters is going to be a little higher and then you go out and you buy pitching, you trade for pitching. I think what's changed in baseball in the last 10 years is being able to get really good pitchers is is not as easy as it used to be. I mean, Joe mm-hmm. Musgrove today, for example, it came out that he's like getting closer to an extension with the Padres. That was a guy the Cubs might have targeted this offseason that's off the board. I think if you leave yourself be saying, we need to go out and get an ace, that's going to be really hard to do. So you got you got to develop that one internally, and then you can go get the other things. I think pitchers are also way more likely to be injured, so you better stockpile them. That's something yeah, we've that's learned, true. obviously, again, from this Cubs team going into it, not enough depth. You say, well, they may have enough pitchers. Cody and then Hoyer, pretty yeah. much you go the whole rotation through has had something, you know, almost Stroman was hurt, Hendricks was hurt, Miley was hurt, Smiley was yeah. hurt, you know, um, Mills was hurt to start the season. Ethan Roberts. Um, I wonder if universal DH and getting rid of the shift has impacted teams thinking on hitters or pitchers as well because the game is going to change that way too, we believe, in the future. And how will that impact future drafts? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I wonder if that's another little sidebar story to what seems to be happening around the draft this year. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I mean, you think that's possible that universal DH and, and the shift could impact that? I do, yeah. I mean, I think that I, I think that teams know that there's going to be a pushback against the success that pitchers are having. Uh, and, you know, whether it's, you know, Theo Epstein's talked about moving the mound back, you know, things like that. And um, I think that teams now realize that the more stuff you can have in the system. And, you know, I mean, you look at these Cubs picks. They drafted a lot of guys that can throw 96 to 99 miles an hour, and it's kind of like an old adage, but it's true. Throwing harder is better. Teams believe that now probably more than they did when it was just, you know, Texas flamethrowers getting drafted in the first round 40 years ago. Uh, So I think it is about just stockpiling arms. And also you look at the, you know, specifically the first two guys, you say throwing 96, 97, like guys throwing mid to upper 90s, but they also seem to have now breaking balls that go with that, which is yep. like it's not just a guy throwing 98 straight down the middle because that doesn't play anymore in Major League Baseball. There's too many guys that can do it right. and too many hitters that can turn it around the other direction. 
But when you throw in a slider that's 90, 91, and you mix it up with that, now you have a dangerous combination um, for a pitcher. And so I think it's just fascinating to see the the way the game evolves just in four- or five-year periods, how much it can change for what teams are looking for. And we know that the Cubs are always trying to be on the cutting edge of being one step ahead. Right. You know, and, and maybe before they were doing spending money, internationally the rules changed they couldn't just go out and outspend everybody internationally now you're looking at slot and trying to figure out how can you move up and get best your best value which might not necessarily be in straight order the 10 best players but they might be the 10 best that you can afford to fit into it's just like a fantasy draft yeah if you do the the fantasy draft where you have amount of money to spend you can't just take the 10 best players right. you got to be able to pay them and fit them into a slot so yeah. um we had I think a, it'd be fun to watch. We had a super chat up there. We haven't oh, yeah. read it yet. Um, if you want to bring that up, Kevin. Sorry to the person that we took so long. From Yeah, uh, I was rambling on. Jared Gerard, Thomas. Sorry, Gerard. Gerard. Thomas. Gerard. Yeah, my bad. Uh, he says, uh, loving the great perspectives of real Cubs fans. So. This is so nice to get a nice comment. Yeah, it's channel. nice to get nice <laughs> comments. <laughs> you look at Mike, gotta, Michael gotta Collada mix, right we, above him. Like two yeah, yeah, we got to mix Gerard uh, and, and Michael mm-hmm. in there. You know, oh, you got to get a good mixture. A balance, you know? a balance. Balance. Balance is key to a healthy life. <laughs> I like I like RW uh, with the question. He's a guy that calls me Steve occasionally. Uh, he says, Nazir Mule is a two-way player, shortstop and a pitcher. Uh, do you think the Cubs would let him be a two-way player? For just a little bit. That's interesting because obviously you've seen Otani thrive in that role. And even their first round pick has played position, player, and pitcher, and stud high school quarterback. Do you think that's possible that the Cubs would entertain letting somebody do something like that? Yeah, that was debated a little bit on Twitter this afternoon. And because Mule has come out and said that he wants to play both ways as a pro. And if you're going to sign him, you know, to a certain extent, maybe you do have to listen to him. It is probably noteworthy the Cubs announced him only as a pitcher. And I can say personally, like, when I watch his swing, I'm not really a fan of it. I, if, I, if it was me, I would be trying to convince him to only pitch, especially because then you can sort of change your body. You can, you know, add a lot more to your, to your hips and thighs and things like that that are, that are only going to help sustain velocity. So I hope that they go pitcher only. I know it's fun to have the idea of a two-way player, but – you know, those are really, really long odds. So I, my vote is just pitcher. We just also, develop our own Otani, you know yeah. what I mean, like thought process. <laughs> There's also a lot of guys, Wilson Contreras, many guys who have tried one thing, it doesn't work out, yep. you switch their position. Yeah. You know, uh, Brandon Hughes yeah, is a guy, like Brandon right? Brandon Hughes is an outfielder yep. that was about to get cut and then exactly. three years ago – Turn into a pitcher, and now he's, he's going to be probably one of the best arms in the pen going. Oh, you next can't year. say that, Cody. You jinx everything. You, I don't jinx everything. <laughs> I wasn't things. wrong about Nico Horner, was I? <laughs> That's fair. The one time, the we, one time he was right. By the way, we will go over our preseason. I said predictions. one of, by the way, not D. So <laughs> we will go over our preseason predictions on Thursday's podcast and take a look at how crazy some of them were and how really wow. spot on some of them were. And really, we have a mixture of both. We're talking to Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation at Cub Prospects on Twitter, talking about the Cubs draft. Um, let's go down to the bottom of the draft till the, towards the end of the day. Uh, who doesn't love drafting Mark McGuire's kid, and he's going to be forced to wear Cubby Blue? Uh, are we calling him Little Mac? Are we calling him Junior Bacon Cheeseburger? <laughs> Baby Big Mac? Uh, and he's a pitcher on top of it. Now, he, two of his sons have been drafted, right? Yep. Both sons. Yeah. This is the youngest. If you look at Mark McGuire's Hall of Fame induction picture, this is the little boy with, I think, braces in the photo, now a Cubs prospect and a pitcher. Um, do you think – I mean, it's not too often the son turns out to be as great as his dad. Right. Um, what do you know about him? Can you tell us anything about Mark McGuire's son? Well, I'll point out that Mark McGuire was a pitcher. Mark, Mark McGuire was a college pitcher at USC, you know, went, went to the Alaska Summer League and hit like hell and then became a first baseman after that. So, you know, he knows pitching. He, he knows how to teach pitching. So, you know, I would, I would trust, uh, trust those bloodlines even on the pitching <laughs> side. Um, 
But are Mason, you telling us to trust Mark McGuire? Right. I can't yeah, go exactly. that far. Well, I mean, the funny thing about Mason, too, is that it looks to me like he needs to put on a little weight. But <laughs> if I'm the Cubs, I'm pretty confident that a McGuire knows how to do that even, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even later oh, in his zing. career. So. Yeah. That's uh, good. Little Yumper with another super chat. Uh, five bucks. Sorry if you guys touched on this with the Juan Soto rumors. Should the Cubs be considering trading some of their farm system capital for generational talent. Yes. And you know that yes. that is a that has hit Twitter and gone, you know, even more so with the draft coming up and I've seen some people say even you even if you traded Brennan Davis and Caleb Killian and DJ Hers and PCA and Nico Horner and PCA it still wouldn't be enough no. to get Soto. Mine I want to hear what you guys think. My initial response is why would you undo everything that you've just done to rebuild the farm system just for one player when Mike Trout can't help the Angels win well, because by himself. I understand he's a great player. One player doesn't win baseball games. Yeah, but I'm going to say Juan Soto is still like Year, like age-wise, like a pro, if you really want, like these guys that you're gonna, you might bring up that might be something. Like Juan yeah. Soto is still 23; he's still their age, and he's already an MVP caliber player. And you're getting him half a billion dollars. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. like that, that's where well, that's doesn't where seem like going. that's the trend the Cubs I go think, with. I think you get halfway into that contract, and that seems like he only got 500 million dollars. Like that, that's crazy to think that, but like yeah. seven, eight years from now, and players are getting. Players are going to be getting a lot more money seven, eight years from now for a full we'll spin, like that. We'll spin zone. Like, yeah. the fact that now everyone knows that the Nationals are going to try and move this guy if, if they can't come to a deal, like, doesn't that kind of take his value away in terms of what they can get back? Like, simply, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just – I'm not I, – I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I know three years of control and you got to give up a lot, but, again – I just don't think any team is going to give up that many high-end prospects no. at, at this in this in this era that we're that we're living in right now of baseball. I, just, I don't think yeah. like I think I, I I want the Cubs to give like I'd give away Brennan Davis and PCA and whoever else that we got to to get Juan Soto, but I also would understand if the Cubs didn't just because of the gigantic ask. I mean. It's not just it's not just the prospects. It's the ticket price that comes with it. Like right. there's a huge sticker shock when you see five hundred million dollars. Yeah. and it was and his even, agent that likely yeah, put out the info. And even though there's three reason. more years of control, it's like if he's saying no to four hundred and forty million dollars, yes. like how much do you have to pay this guy? I, unless you get like an automatic contract extension for however long. Well, that's the thing. At all. At all. You know, it's all. Like, like if you do him, that like, in part of the trade, extension. you know what I mean? But, you, again, yeah, I would I would trade almost any – or not even almost, but any piece <laughs> in the Cubs system to get one. So Wait, just, give him top 30. Top 30 I, on pipeline, give it to I him. Just like, well, I, I, I just like – there has to be a line somewhere, and that's why I brought up, like, with the public knowing now that the Nationals want to move him, doesn't that have to diminish some of that value of getting any – like, getting, like, the true value of him? I think – the yes. thing that I haven't heard people talk about is the Scott Boris influence. And, it's fair. you know, I think if we, if we look at the NBA, for example, if a, when a top 10, top 15 player gets traded, what doesn't happen is the team says, we're going to trade him anywhere and we're going to just take the best return. No, what happens in the NBA? The player picks his team <laughs> and then the team, those two teams work the deal out. I'm pretty sure that when Juan Soto gets traded – he will be traded to a place that he and Scott Boris have already decided is where he wants to be for the long term. So, you know, the Cubs might not even be available if, you know, the, if Soto and Boris don't want him to be here. So I, I don't think it's a thing where we can just look at all the teams and say who has the best farm system, who has the best players to trade. It's going to be a place that he picks. Uh, Little Yumper says, thing is, he's 23 and he's a player you can literally build around. Don't, don't argue against that. I'm just saying... What money are you going to have left? What prospects are you going to have left to build around him? Cody, what kind of bets are you making with the All-Star Weekend? Week oh, here? Well, you know, we got the Derby tonight, and, uh, you know, I'm riding our uh, old friend Kyle Schwarber. And tonight yeah. in the jer Derby, you get plus three. He's, I think gonna, it's plus 300 on He's going to avenge getting cheated out of it in 18. Yeah, totally yeah, got screwed. Re revenge Derby, yeah. yeah. I also like Julio Rod Rodriguez uh, as a long shot, plus 850 on points bet. Um I mean, no one's ever won it three times, so like, I don't want to take Alonzo for that reason alone. But also, he's not a bad bet either. So, um, anyway, 
on points bet. Like I'd say every every show, uh, it's uh, my favorite app. I love to open it up every morning and look at all the lines. It's also the best way to support CHGO. Uh, and if you download that points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you get a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. You even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. You're home for live in-play betting. Just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching. Is your favorite team prime for a comeback? Anyone live bet the Cubs yesterday? Hope not. Probably would have given you a big giant headache, even though they did come back to win. Um, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the Points Bet app right now. Use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with Points Bet. If, you're, if you or someone you know has a Gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Got to tell you guys about Owen, which is only what you need. Owen's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition, working as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten, no dairy, easily digestible. I started taking it when I heard Justin Fields was taking it, and he was on this plant-based diet. And I thought, how can I counteract the cookies, donuts, and cake that I eat every day? I thought, well, maybe this protein thing, Owen, doesn't work for me quite like it does Justin Fields, admittedly, <laughs> but it's still good for Wait, me. You're only just getting on it. Like, That's right. Like, I'm just getting just started. And Owen and CHGO partnered up to give you an awesome offer, 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields. Try Owen only what you need. The cookies and cream is delicious and it's good for you too um where was where's my guy colada he's he's always he's he's always always the biggest ricketts hater he said (laughs) guys you got to be careful ricketts just choked on his dinner (laughs) he's had about said ha 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 ricketts signed soto i'm I'm just kind of curious like if you had to put a package together for Juan soda like if someone came to you and said Hey, like, what would you trade to get Juan Soto on the Cubs? What? What would you trade, or yeah. what would what would the Nationals accept from you? What? What? How high would you go before, like? Yeah. What would be it, your like, top? Even if the Nationals, like, we want, we want more. Over we want under more, like, this Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation joining <laughs> from us. Brian Smith, yeah. <laughs> Brian Smith's own GM cap. Yeah, I mean, I would go really, really high. I mean, yeah, four and a half prospects. I, I think depending, you know, would I go the top five prospects? Probably. If I knew that I would that I was signing him to a twelve year yeah. deal, I would I would think about doing it. I mean, it's a little steep, but you know I don't know. When you get to the point of at that point, you've already negotiated an extension. You already know that he's going to be around. You know, are you really going to haggle between should I trade the fifth prospect or the eighth prospect or the fourth? Mm-hmm. Or the, you know, if they if they can get him to sign and they believe that signing him is part of the process to rebuild another World Series team, I would not have a, pro- a problem trading yeah. the top four prospects in the system. I think you also have to, like, build that around, like, Ian Happ or Nico Horner. All, yep. like, like one of those I was going to say, they're not, they're not yeah. going to take all prospects. They're going to yeah. want your best young major league proven player yeah. as well, yeah. or two. And I also think, you know, like we kind of talked about how Soto's already that prospect that worked out, and he's only 23, like, a few years ago, Miguel Amaya and Braylon Marquez were top three prospects, and they still, like, Braylon Marquez pitched once in the majors, right. but like really neither of them have really made it to the majors yet. So if you're counting on guys like like in the top five who aren't in the majors yet, when you could go out and get Juan Soto for him, like it's, I think I think that's I think that's a deal you have to take if if it doesn't just completely bankrupt the farm. Like that's one thing that right. when you sell the entire farm, then you, then that makes it tougher. But if you like like usually like there's probably a level the Cubs would go to and that everyone else would go to. The Nationals are probably going to want more, and it's yep. it's not going to it's not going to reach it. It's going to bankrupt, and that's a deal you probably shouldn't make. Cody's laughing at Scott Crawford's comment. I, uh, is that who it is? You're he laughing said at Ortega and Hayward for Soto. <laughs> it would hurt, but for the team, I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> same. You throw in Andrelton Simmons too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what? Okay, so RWB goes as far as this. 
Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, Brandon Davis, Madrigal, Jensen, DJ Ers, Nelson Velasquez, uh, Canario, Preciado. And I, I'm going to say, again, I don't think they'd even take that deal. They're going to want your best. They don't want guys that aren't proven at the major league level. They're going to want your Half best Warner, ones. But Steele, Thompson. Yeah. They're going to want all three of those guys and maybe say a Suzuki too, and then your three best prospects. And, I mean, at that point – you know the Who's Cubs. Are, the Cubs are already pretty darn far away from the World Series. Once you start taking away the better, yeah. the better things they have at the major league level, at that point, then you're too far away from the World Series for something like that to be worth it. So it's it's a weird game where, at the end of the day, I doubt the Cubs are the pick. Mostly, as I said earlier, I don't think Juan Soto looks at Chicago Cubs, you know, maybe losing a hundred games this year and says. Hey, I want to be there. I I bet he finds his way to a contender that will also meet that price tag. Just just want to be the Dodgers. This is going to be such a huge price tag to meet. Like it's like thinking about like what, like I think the Athletic put together like a really kind of ask beat writers of teams that like actually could legitimately have a shot of making a trade like that, and like just the price tag that they were putting on it was so steep, and they're like. Most of them were like, I don't even know if the Nationals would take that. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's how big it was. And like, I think it was Sahad have put together. Like, I think Nico was in there, Justin Steele, four the top, like a bunch of the pro- top prospects. And it was like, even that seems like it's not going to be enough. I, for that I think at the end of the deal. day, the, the Nationals are going to figure out a way to move or find a way to sign them. Like, they're just going to have to go up to that five hundred million dollar mark. I think at the end of the day, I don't know if they will. Like, it could all it could all simply be like negotiating by Boris just to throw that, that out there and yeah. bring him back to the table. And just remember, I, like I have nothing against Juan Soto. He could be the best player in baseball for a long time. It's not the NBA. It's yeah. not like having LeBron James or whoever you might think. Like it's not five players. You need a full staff of players to get it done in Major League Baseball because the guy can only come up four times a game. Right. right. You, you can't win if he only bats four times. That's, that's not going to do the rest of like it. Like, if they're really going to trade him, they need to trade him, like, honestly, soon because when I think about these other gener- gener- generational players who have, have these gigantic contracts now, like, Mookie Betts comes to mind. And, like, that trade, I mean, Alex Verdugo's okay, but, like, the Red, I know, and I know the Red Sox won the World Series the year before, but like, I don't. You think if if they didn't want to pay him, they could have moved him and got s- just a similar type of value, right? That that's how right. good of a baseball player he is. And now, you know, the Dodgers are going to pay him all the money. That you know, don't get me started. But like, it's that's kind of like if they don't move him, then you better get that deal done sooner rather than later, or else the amount of prospects or the amount of value you get back is just not going to be as as good as it is right now, uh, you know, it, it, as it would, like, it, it won't be as good in three years as it is now, you know, because going into free agency. So, but it, I just, you know, with Boris, they, they never sign contract extensions, man. Right. <laughs> so, we know all about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Brian, I got a question for you. So, let's say we get through this, what is going to be an awful end of the month, early start of August for the Cubs organization, depending on who you are. Um, and they do trade Wilson and maybe Hap and a, a whole list of relievers, Robertson, all those guys. Where is the Cubs, in your eyes, where's the Cubs farm system now? Whereas, you know, like 13 and 14 after they went through it, like they vaulted to like almost the top of baseball or the top of baseball. Right. After this trade deadline, where do you expect – the Cubs farm system to rank? How high up do you think they could go after this next group of trades happens? Yeah, I, I don't think they're probably going to crack like a top three because to get to be a top three farm system, you really need to have top 20 prospects, you know, at least one top 20 prospect. Cubs are probably outside that. I think they could absolutely, and I think to a certain extent, they probably already are somewhere in that four to eight range mm-hmm. in terms of farm system. And, and, yeah, I think that's probably as high as they get this year. Um, the problem is, you know, a lot of that farm system's far away, so like, you're not gonna have, you're not gonna trade those guys, and then in September you're gonna start to see these top prospects come up. It's probably another year before a lot of the guys are starting to hit. So, the the prospects we're gonna see in August and September in Chicago are gonna be a lot of guys that are sort of fringe 40-man guys that yeah. they're trying to figure out, is this a guy we keep? Is this a guy we leave exposed to the Rule 5 yeah. draft? Um, so it's it's not – I don't think the uh, 
major league prospects that come up in August and September are going to give a lot of hope that the farm system looks good. People are still going to have doubts. But in a year, I think people are going to see that there's there's real depth there. What about, uh, you know, DJ Herz and Jordan Wicks got promoted to double A yep. over the weekend. And, you know, I remember last year when Wicks got uh, drafted, there was a lot of talk that he could be a quick one. And uh, what, like with them both being a double A now, I mean, I'm – what surprised me the most is hers getting there. Yeah. Like, where do you project him as far as next year for both of them, if if hers can even get up to to the major league team next year? I, I, I'm pretty – I feel pretty good about Wicks at least, but yeah. what about hers too? Yeah, I feel similar similarly to you. I, I would say that I think Wicks could start games in Chicago next year. I think if hers made the majors, and that feels to me probably a year early, it's probably more in that sort of Justin Steele initial role mm-hmm. where you're building Bullpen. him in through one and two Bullpen. two inning outings. But I think you know I think he's a guy that's like born to succeed in that role. So I think it might be <laughs> a similar thing that we had with Steele, where he has a ton of success as a reliever, and then you start to say, I don't know, should we just keep him in this role? And yeah. and then the determination is he a reliever, a starter? will probably be somewhat determined by the major league team's success. If they're having success, you keep them in the bullpen. Uh-huh. If they're not, then you go back, let them try starting, yeah. and see what you have. Well, it's also like true. similar to what with, with Keegan this year. You know, last yeah. year he was really good as a reliever. You know, little rocky uh, run as a starter last year. I think he had a really good end of the year, like last game of the year. Came up, was like an elite reliever this year. Like started off this year elite relieving. Then we, 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 me and Luke kind of were on the side of keep him here for a while, and then obviously that didn't happen with all the rotation injuries. Good thing he, we're not in charge. <laughs> yeah, he be, right. Becomes a starter, you know, Same here. Uh, <laughs> has had some tough outings as a starter, which you expect as a guy who's still kind of trying to find his footing there. But I think he's already proven, like, at worst, he's going to be a really good multi-inning guy. Yep. And, not, and then, then that's when you can start. You know, you give him this extended run as a starter. doesn't work out. doesn't work out. He's a really, really good bullpen arm if that's where he ends up. And he proved that for, like, the first two months of the year this year. And he was really good in that role last year, too. So I think if you talk about hers or whoever, like, that is something that I could see the Cubs you know, kind of keeping on doing as far as exactly. giving these guys a little bit of run, maybe even if it's early as a bullpen guy, you're not going to throw them in as a starter, but you do something, you, you see what you got there as far as if they can be a bullpen guy, and then you start building on that, that starting role. I think that's what they did with Steele, what they did with Keegan, and what they're going to do. I, I can see that mo- being very often what they do moving forward. I totally agree. Hers, Wicks, Steele, Thompson, uh, Jensen, whoever – Go through the list of young Cubs pitchers that they have. Do they have someone that stands out to you as as a better shot at being a number one someday? Or are they still going to be looking to find that, that repertoire in a guy that's number one? Or do they have a lot of guys that slot in two, three, that could be really, really good or really effective closers or really effective bullpen guys? I know fans look at that, look at those lists and they say, well, it's depth, but do they have what the Nationals are basically looking for? Somebody that's this surefire number one starter at, major, at the major, major league level. Killian, whoever those guys might be, who stands out as the one that would have the best shot at doing that? You know what's funny is I think that the guy that stands out as the best shot of being a number one is Cade Horton. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I don't, and, I, and I'm not saying that I think that that's likely, but I'm saying that the guys that are, the other guys you mentioned to me, probably don't have that mm-hmm. high-end ceiling. And sometimes that's, that's what you have is when a player's new, when a player's fresh, you see, like, with rose-colored glasses, the highest possible outcome. And then the more time you spend with them, you get that prospect fatigue, and it starts to say, uh, maybe he's just a three or something. But I think that, um, yeah, I don't see that in Jordan Wicks. I think DJ probably doesn't have, you know, he's probably not a guy that's going to pitch six, seven innings. So, I, you know, I don't really see it there. Killian, you could probably talk me into it, but um, confidence is a little low in that department yeah. right now. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, that Cade Horton has at least the fastball-slider combo that gets you started in that conversation, and then it's you know up to the Cubs to build it from there. That's another question I wanted to ask, like with Killian – since he's gone back down, like I, we keep seeing that, like he's the control issues and, and walking a few more guys. Like, what have you seen? Obviously, you watch all the games that we don't watch all the games. Um, but just what have you seen in his stars? Like, what is kind of the issue there? It's yeah, just, I mean, as an onlooker, the interesting thing is his stuff is probably as good as it's ever been right now in the raw stuff uh, department. He he's been up to ninety eight in recent starts. The 
the um, cutter's been really good. The, the curveball's been really good. Um, but And the, I think a recent start, he looked amazing for two innings. You know, I was starting to get all these things on Twitter, like, is Killian back? Is Killian back? <laughs> Third inning, he walks, like, four guys, and I get, like, a thousand messages, like, Killian sucks. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I think I think what's happening is there's something off from a mechanical or release point standpoint, and probably at some point I would expect the Cubs to put him on the development list, maybe send him back to Arizona, get him in the pitch lab, and really try to like see on video what is the difference between you know even this spring he would have been in the pitch lab this spring, so they have video then they have video probably right after mm-hmm. they traded for him. And they can get real, real technical with the tiniest details about what's wrong. Yeah. And I'm guessing they're going to find it. There's a lot of smart guys that are that are doing pitching development for the Cubs right now. And that's surprising because a guy, especially like as, as old as him, as you know, Triple A level, has already had like you don't you don't usually see that that often. Someone going out back out to Arizona like right. at, at his level, at his level. Yeah, and I mean this is a guy that walked like 12 people with the Giants last year, so it's yeah. so it's very strange, yeah. but. The development list is a new thing that, that came into baseball last year. And I think it's a great thing that a way to give pitchers a little breather from That's game cool. action, but to continue their development in a different way. Just really work on it. Admittedly, that kind of like discourages me because I was hoping maybe he'd come back up after the deadline. Yeah. And would just, you know. For sure. Because like what's, the wins and losses don't matter. You just, you know. To me, yeah, just just throw give me give me <laughs> something to feel good about going in next year regarding him. And I even even right now, there's still some good. Obviously, as the stuff, it's just the command has been a struggle. But also, like that was the one thing everyone said that he was really good at. So like, right. yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't understand that issue. But you know, for, for the Cubs, uh, it's not really the Cubs' sake. But like, they are in a position where they can take more time on him they were in a winning window right now they would not be doing that right so uh yeah no again i'm a little discouraged about that but i also think I though if he if he puts together two really good starts in triple a like he's on the 40-man roster like i think in the you know second half of august and september like if he's pitching well the cubs will bring him back up and they will you know test that confidence to say you know hey it's not different in the majors like you can throw your pitches in your spots you have good enough stuff like Sort of, if they think it's a mental hurdle, mm-hmm. I do think they will challenge him in Chicago and say, "Hey, let's get through this hurdle." Especially with a you know ninety loss team that, you know, I think in September won't be really like wearing it if they have losses and bad starts. I, I want I want to hear your thoughts on Niren's comment. Can you bring that up, Kevin? In in twenty twenty four was it? Yeah, if twenty twenty four Cubs has Wicks, Horton, Killian, and Steele in the rotation, we probably lose ninety five games. Yeah, I mean, I think any t- – <laughs> prospect outlets uh, love to do, you know, the 2025 team, 2026 uh, team, and yeah. they do all the prospect, the best prospect at each position. It never works out that way. You know, I think yeah. any projected rotation you're going to have of Cubs players where every one of them is, you know, homegrown and from the minors, that's just not how it works. So uh-huh. to a certain extent that's probably true because a couple of those guys probably won't work out. But – um I don't know. Right now, I like it, and isn't it more fun to to dream that the 2024 <laughs> Cubs could be good with that rotation than to just already be cynical and say that's a 95 loss team? Not, not in this chat, man. Right. No, well, no, and no, you got to yeah, make you still have to make room for Braylon Marquez <laughs> and Adbert Alzlai. So, right. Please make room and for. And he everybody. also didn't mention Keegan Thompson, who's been the best Cubs pitcher this year. Oh, Niren probably thinks that they're going to trade Keegan Thompson. <laughs> well, it's the uh, Soto deal. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, Sorry. so it'll do. Okay. Uh, just hey, kidding here. Just, just messing with you. If, if you mm-hmm. enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow, download that PointsBet app. Use the code CHGO when you sign up. Two risk-free bets, up to 2000 bucks. But if you make a 50 or more first-time deposit, you get that free CHGO membership. Unlocks all of Ryan's web content, Jared Willis as well, and you even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. In case you missed it, online sign-up available in Illinois right now. Download the PointsBet app, register your account start to finish, all from your phone. You're signing up with the fastest sports book. It's easier than ever. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. I think the prospect thing has become fascinating for the Cubs because the major league team has become troublesome 
to say yes. the least. And you said a 90-loss team. I thought to myself, well, that's positive thinking right there. That's what we've been looking for, 90-loss team. Right. We're trying yeah, to keep them off the 100 list. We're on the race list. for 63. Yeah, the race probably to 63. Where you when the major league team is just bad <laughs> and everyone's coming to you to like, hey, mm-hmm. what what do we have to look forward to? But, you know, I have, I have a, a quarter of a pack of season tickets. I'm at Wrigley 20 games a year, and, you know, I would take a good team in a bad farm system any day. <laughs> uh, do we want to do the mailbag a little bit here? Yeah, you got some? Yeah, we got yeah, some let's people get some mailbag to questions. our tweet um, over on CHGO underscore Cubs on Twitter. Uh, some Luke, you mentioned uh, Braylon Marquez right before that ad, right? And uh, this guy, Taryn, he's at Taryn Backup. He says, can Braylon still be a frontline starter for the Cubs? I guess more of the question is, what's the update on him? Because we just we haven't heard anything about him since spring training. Yeah, no, I would. I'm hoping Ryan can give the update here because uh, <laughs> he had COVID. I, yeah. I didn't know yeah, if I mean, maybe you had heard anything through the vines or anything like that. No, I mean there have been a few like the people that go to the backfields in Arizona have said that they've yeah. seen him a couple times here and there. Uh, I don't know if he's actively throwing right now. I would say to answer the question can would have to do a whole lot of work in that sentence you know a lot a lot can happen I think um, hoping that Braylon Marquez is a starting pitcher for the Cubs is probably misguided at this point I think could he be a reliever for the Cubs probably but we are talking about a guy who after this year is only going to have two option seasons left and he has not pitched Mm -hmm. now and you know mostly in three years Uh, so I think you know being more realistic that the upside is probably a reliever or, you know, maybe the fit is in a different organization, honestly. You say homegrown guys don't all – you can't fill the whole roster with those guys. Didn't he have some of the best – like, of all the guys we just talked about, I said, hey, who's your number one in, coming out of this list? Was his stuff as good as any of those guys Yeah, before I mean, he, all of this happened? Yes. I mean, he had a run in the second half of the 2019 season – I remember that July and August, which was about as good as a Cubs pitching prospect has had. He was, you know, up to 101 miles an hour. He was in South Bend uh, and then went to high A as well. Um, and it was phenomenal. And I, I think hopes were justified at that point. Even like if you looked at his slider and changeup, people weren't even that high at it on the t- at the time. In 2020, he came up, had that one yeah. appearance in the majors. And if you look at the metrics behind the slider and changeup, they were really good too. So he was a really legitimate, good pitching prospect. And the fact that he failed, you know, doesn't mean that it was incorrect that he wasn't a good pitching prospect. It's just that that stuff happens, you know. I mean, that's part of the game here. I think that, honestly, I just, we just don't really know what's going on. I mean, last yeah. year was an injury. And then this year, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, showed up to spring training late and the mm-hmm. whole COVID stuff. And we just haven't really got an update since. And like, that, I mean, that's the, the, based off my memory. So the, correct me if I'm wrong. The, I mean, sometimes, you know, when Jed Hoyer makes an appearance, you'll get at, I mean, it's very, it's mostly like, you know, he's, he's still kind of working through his progression. I know one of the photographers that's down in Arizona, like tweeted out him like throwing and everyone's like, Oh, he looks like slimmer, whatever he did. He did come late to spring training because of COVID for the second time. Um, yeah, I mean, just not like a whole lot of other, not not like a timeline of when he's gonna start throwing again or any of that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know, he's still trying to get him up. I remember, I, I don't remember exactly when Jed said it, but like, I think he, I think he talked about Marquez, like uh, like getting him off the mound, like wasn't imminent or wasn't like they didn't know like exactly when they could start get even getting him off the mound. I'll try to find the quote and see when that was, but it's just it's just kind of a bunch of those like, oh, you know, we're still working him back, no timeline um, that, that right. kind of thing it, it, that's, that's what we're getting from from that kind of stuff right now um okay so the next question and this I, I guess this is a little bit more related to the major league team as well as um the draft but uh broadcaster nick on twitter he asked with Contreras's trade imminent why didn't the cubs draft a catching prospect Maya is still question mark i think he's just talking overall yeah. i mean there's still 10 rounds left right so it could happen but right. i do know amai is supposed to be sent to double a soon right i think that was a yep. something i saw recently yes. yeah i mean i think kevin parada was that guy that's you know i think when he was available at the cub selection there were probably so many cub fans that were thinking perfect you, you get the best catcher in the draft that falls to you at seven uh just as you're losing your all-star catcher 
you know, that's that's just not how teams draft. Teams don't draft for need. They, you know, I guarantee in the draft room, Wilson Contreras did not come up one time. Like, that is not, you're not putting those two things together in the room. Um, so I guess the answer to why didn't they draft a catcher is simply, you know, they didn't love a catcher at any choice versus the pitcher that they inevitably drafted instead. Admittedly, I probably wouldn't have liked them taking a catcher with their first-round pick either. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and again, it may have impacted slot money, like where you have money to spend for those later drafts. Like if he came yeah. in right where you take him, then maybe you don't get Ferris with your second pick. So it's just yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a mixing bowl of what you're trying to do. It's not as straightforward as the best player on there necessarily yeah. either by the way uh so on may 19th jed said i've uh, kind of asked about an update on braylon marquez he said i'm not sure on games he's throwing we're trying to get him off the mound and get him back to pitching in games but that's not imminent right now so yeah so, i mean it's like, so it's like that that was two months ago we yeah. haven't really gotten much update from him i don't he hasn't pitched like and he's not even he, he hasn't pitched in a game yet right two months later um i wonder if may, maybe they're just kind of because he's still young, trying to make sure, like, the arm issues that plagued him all last year, shoulder right. issues, I think it was, just kind of is gone. Maybe that's what they're playing at slow right now. But that that is kind of something that we're like, you know, this guy was like one – was I think he was the top prospect a couple years ago, depending what site you were looking sure. at. Well, it had gone in the top 100 in all of baseball at one yeah, point, Yeah, I mean, right? it, depending yeah. where you're looking at, like, he was the Cubs' number one prospect, um, and now he's – there's not a lot of word about him, so that's yeah. definitely. My guess that. would be he's brought back as a reliever. I mean, you're going to run into innings limits anyway yeah. if you if you do it otherwise. So I think when we think about him, we should probably think about him as a left-handed relief prospect. Right. Um, I guess another one here. This comes from Alex underscore Clind Clindenen. I think is uh he's I think that's RWB team here on, on the YouTube chat. Oh, you mean Steve? Yeah, the guy who called yeah. you Steve. <laughs> Um, I'm kidding. I guess we we can relate this to prospects too. Um, But what are some trade packages that the Cubs could possibly get for Contreras, David Robertson, Ian Happ, and the rest of the guys that could be traded? Is there, I guess the question would be, what are, is there any prospects out there that you have, I don't know, that you, with the particular teams that you think the Cubs could be talking with, uh, is there one out there that, that stands out that, they could get back for Contreras. You know, I think what I learned from the U Darvish trade is like the the baseball trades have changed a lot. And you know, I think when we first heard U Darvish was getting traded to the Padres, you know, every Cubs fan brought up the Padres top prospect list and they said, Oh, we either this guy or this guy, one or two on their list, we'll get him. And then the trade happened and they didn't get anybody that was top <laughs> six or seven in the system. Yeah. Teams are less and less willing to trade top hundred prospects than ever. So if I had to guess what Wilson gets I would guess it's a quantity package similar to Darvish more than getting a guy that we could pick right now as a top 100 guy. And I think you also look at, sorry, Cody, but um, just the trades that Jed did make and the front office did make, a lot of those guys, like, were kind of not wild cards, but it was also, like, more under-the-radar kind of guys that they, like, noticed and they're like, you know, these guys we could help develop. And a lot, most of them have really hit, you know, gone to another level this year you know pca obviously chief among them which is like a lot of people don't trust jed right now which is always so funny to see just like like he's just based on the trades he made last year early returns if you want to still call them early returns a year later like a lot of those guys are doing really well in the minor league system so even if they're not getting 100 top 100 prospects which like you said is not often the case anymore uh you know i'm curious to see who they pick why they pick them or who they get back why they wanted them in return and just kind of where they can develop and like where they can fit in the system and develop like some of these like PCA obviously is like the number one guy we're going to look at because he's had the biggest rise so far of anyone yep I you know based off what you were saying I and I think I've said that a few times on the show is that like I think Cubs fans need to prepare themselves again to not get up to be let down (laughs) by the lack of name recognition there right like Everyone, not only were people pissed when Bryant Rizzo and Baez were gone because of who they were, but also because outside of the Kimbrel trade, no one knew any of those mm-hmm. prospects were. And like Ryan said, the early returns, they look like there's there's some there's some upside there. There's some hope, right? Yep. So I'm not surprised you're telling me that, yeah, that it would be similar to a Darvish trade. I think they would have to have years of control left, like an Ian Happ, for yeah. example. Uh you know, I'm someone who thinks that they should hold on to Hap, but 
if they can get, you know, a guy who's ready, if someone's that desperate for an outfielder with one of the best OPSs in the National League, like, if you can get a guy who could play next year, then I would understand it. But and I just don't know, with given the stage of how, like what Brian said, the how trades in baseball are being made these days because so many teams just don't want to pay anyone. Right, Ooh. and it's, it's it, that's a fine line to walk for another team, too, on, on trading them back. That would be like asking the Cubs if they were ready to compete right now for a playoff spot. Okay, you can have Ian Happ. Or you can trade us your Brennan Davis. Well, why wouldn't they just call up Brennan Davis, the much cheaper version who they already have in their system, and give him a shot in the postseason? I mean, you'd have to really think that that, that prospect wasn't really what everybody else thought. Yeah. Got, I don't know. It's, we got Rich, Rich Beasterfield. Um, I should have should have remembered the name, but he said he's the one that shot photos of Braylon Marquez throwing back on June 4th. He was throwing off on flat ground but more than soft toss. Haven't seen him since, but I also haven't seen much of the rehab group recently. I knew the name. Like, I don't know why. Shout I out to Rich. Like, the name. Follow Rich on Twitter. Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's yeah. down, in, down in AZ, getting a lot of these, you know, rehab guys and spring training and stuff. Thanks, great photos. Thanks for ACL. Chat, too. Um, yeah, so go follow Rich Beasterfield on Twitter. Let me see if I can find it real quick. What can you tell us about? Uh, throw, your, throw your Twitter handle in here, Rich. Everyone can everyone go follow you. Yes, please. Um, Brendan and Corey were raving about uh, wanting to see Matt Mervis, what can you tell us about him? Do you think he will show up here? Uh, and what would we expect from him? Yeah, Matt Mervis uh, leads all professional baseball hitters, uh, major league and minor league in RBIs right now. Uh, he got to the 80 RBI mark with a double, I think, yesterday, I think. Um, but he's a first baseman that was undrafted in 2020, uh, struggled last year in low A, and then came in this year and has just been hitting from the jump. Um, he's a guy that I think I ranked uh, somewhere in the teens when I did the prospect list last week. Uh, I do not think we're going to see him this year. And I, the biggest reason that I don't think we're going to see him is he is not Rule 5 eligible this mm. uh, winter. And so he does not need to be added to the 40-man roster. I think the Cubs anticipate they're going to have a little bit of a crunch and they don't want to yeah. lose prospects. You know, that's going to be bad bad publicity on top of if you're bad and losing prospects that's not good <laughs> that's that's also one of the things like people don't think about is like how yeah these roster decisions have to be made it's like yep. Caleb Killian had kind of had to be added to the 40-man yep. roster this year regardless if they thought he was ready because he's roll five eligible exactly. Matt Mervis is not so they don't have to if they feel like they want to get a look at someone else that is right like, yeah it's, I it's think crazy. I mean I think Mervis moving to AAA makes a lot of sense and then if the Cubs were going to look at someone, it would be someone like Jared Young, who's in AAA, who's not doing as good as Mervis, but is an interesting player. The Cubs would take a look at him and say, hey, is he worth keeping around? Or does Mervis take Young's 40-man spot in next spring, next summer? Mm -hmm. Any other final questions, Cody? Uh, One last no, question? not as far. Like okay. we've, uh, we've had a few more, but they're all we've already answered them on here, So and I didn't bring them up. Yeah, that's all right. So, <laughs> um, I mean, basically – the headline of, of today is that nine of the ten first draft picks for the Cubs, all pitchers, clearly a focus on pitching. We've got the trade deadline coming to add to that prospect list. We're going to start to talk a lot more about prospects the second half of the season, certainly a lot in the offseason. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about these prospects and keeping an eye on them. Uh, big thanks to Brian Smith, Bleacher Nation, at one, Cub Prospects. One more. We did yeah, it on oh. the last show. And I know there's going to be a lot of guys called up after the deadline, but is who's like last time you said it was Brandon Hughes, well, who's 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 the next one that we're not expecting, or like a name that we're not expecting that we should see the next Morel, the next Hughes, yeah, the yeah, next. yeah, like the next one that sure. that could come up and you know open some eyes, I guess. Okay, I'm going to say Cam Sanders, who is in AAA, he's a starting pitcher, has struggled a little bit. I think the ERA's mid fours to low fives, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, his dad was a relief pitcher, Scott Sanders, for the Cubs. Uh, I think that he is going to come up because he is Rule 5 eligible, and uh, he's a guy that can throw it up to 99. I think they're going to give him a look in that Keegan Thompson bullpen role, see what it looks like. And he could be the kind of guy where I could imagine his, his debut comes – he hits like 100 out of the bullpen, and people are like, how the hell was this guy not a top 10 <laughs> prospect? Like, what are you doing? You know, and that's sort of what Christopher Morel was. So Sanders is like 2021, 20, I think, on my list. 
Um, but I think he is a guy that if he goes to that middle relief role could really look good. I love to hear that because that's a guy that I've, I mean, I've followed him as close as you, but I've seen some highlights on, on the bird app and like he just, the fact that he just throws that hard is it's just, it's kind of refreshing because we haven't had a lot of those. I know we've seen some come up this year, but like in recent years, we're talking about not like that velocity is really missed. So it's, exciting to have someone like yeah. that and Chicago uh, in Chicago would love Cam I mean the way you know Christopher Morrell has it with his energy yeah. Cam has it with his swag there is yeah. no pitcher in the Cubs system with as much swag as Cam Sanders he gets a strikeout and he's strutting around and yeah he, let's see yeah. a few videos of him doing so that, he's yeah. the he's the Cody Del Mendo <laughs> of the yeah, Cubs exactly. farm vibes. system he's he's got vibes All right. he's got <laughs> vibes he's got the pink Nikes going uh <laughs> well that. we're looking forward to it Brian again huge thanks follow him on Twitter at Cub Prospects um, it's been fun. Come back and do this again in a couple sure. months. Follow back up maybe after the uh, trade deadline. All-Star break information. We will have co- uh, All-Star game pre- and post-game coming up on Tuesday. Um, Thursday, we will go back over all of our preseason picks. So you want to watch for that. And then Friday, back to Cubs baseball as the push to 63 and the trade deadline <laughs> continues. Thanks for checking God. out the CHGO Cubs <laughs> podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHG when you CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Have a great night and fly the W.